A little bit later on, we're going to be uh, remembering our Lord's death with breaking bread, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But before we do that, we're going to be looking at Jonah, Uh, and Harold's going to come and uh, uh, read to us. Where, Where are you? Fantastic, thank you. Um, If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to Jonah chapter 1. We looked at the first three verses last time, and we're going to, well, we're going to read the whole of the chapter, aren't we? Thank you. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because it is wickedness and has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to their own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell asleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he'd already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. There it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as so you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging storm grew calm. After this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered the sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Thanks, Harold, so much. Why don't we pray just before we come to God's word? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the, the living God. And uh, as we turn to you now, we ask that you would please speak to us and help us to understand this. Father, thank you you've promised to do that. 
And I want to pray that your spirit would come. You, you know what we need to hear. Speak to us. Help us, we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to start uh, and be a little bit controversial. Um, I hope this is all right. Uh, Carol and I have been here almost four months, and we've loved it. Um, but I have made a, a bit of an observation about PCF. Don't know if I'm right, but we'll see. I think that PCF is more of a cat church than a dog church. Um, hands up, you can't vote twice. Hands up if you are a, 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 dog, a dog person. Ooh, quite a lot. Hands up if you're a cat person. Oh, it looks, it, looks, it, it looks about the same. I think maybe cats got it. I thought it was more obvious than that. Well, I'm, I'm speaking now to catty people, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, what do you do when you go away for the weekend? You have, okay, you have somebody to look after. Okay, I hadn't thought about that. Okay. You have what? Cat feeders. You have cat feeders. Um, can I recommend to you, uh, is this the right one? Uh, oh, no, sorry, yeah, this is it. Um, this, which is the SkyMe 8L. Um, it is able to, to feed your cat, and I think it can, I don't know if it's a phone there, but it's somehow you're able to see your cat feeding at the same time. Um, it, is, it is essentially a blessing dispenser, which is designed to regularly give blessing to your adorable moggy. Okay? And as long as the blessing dispenser works, then tiddles will be fine. But if it breaks, if it goes evil, then she starves, or more likely pops next door. In the Bible, the, 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 the God of the whole universe chooses the nation of Israel so that they would be a blessing dispenser to the nations. And God says to Abraham, right at the start of the Bible in Genesis 12, and this is such an important couple of verses, I am going to make your name great. I'm going to multiply your people. I am going to bless you so that through you all the peoples on the earth will be blessed. So Abraham and Abraham's family and Abraham's nation Israel gets filled up with God's blessing. And then its job is, just like the sky meter, to release little bits of blessing all over the world. God will bless the world through this one nation. That's always been God's plan. Actually, he doesn't have another. That's it. So what happens, you ask, if that blessing dispenser gets broken or goes evil? Well, come to the book of Jonah, because we saw last week that Jonah is a prophet who has gone wrong. He is a small, broken, blessing dispenser. And this week we're going to see what God does about it. Um, look, simple, three characters which we're going to follow in this story. And the first is not one that you probably uh, would have thought about. Okay? The boat. Feeling like you're going to break up. The amazing thing about this chapter is that the true God is very, very 
very powerful. Again and again, it's underlined that God rules the sea. In fact, he rules everything, even Jonah. So verse 4, the sea is totally under God's control. He sends a great wind on the sea. Verse 9, Jonah worships the God who made the sea. Verse 12, it's my fault, he says, that this storm has come upon you. God has done it. So they take Jonah, verse 15, they throw him overboard and the raging sea immediately grows calm. God is even in control of the large things that swim around in the sea. Verse 17, the Lord provided instantly a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Simple. Got the message? God rules over everything. But nobody really in this story understands what God is doing. Jonah doesn't get why God wants to save the Ninevites. The sailors don't get why God wants to sink their ship. And actually, I know this sounds a bit strange, but even the boat doesn't get it. Verse 4 says, The Lord sent such a violent storm that the ship threatened to break up. And, and the way it's written is intentionally as if the ship has come alive. Look, I'm, I'm telling you, I cannot do this anymore. I'm not designed for this kind of weather. What is going on? I'm warning you, I can't cope. Any moment, if you don't do something, I'm just going to break up. Do you see what's going on? The ship is portrayed as being seriously grumpy. And actually, it's a picture of us. Because don't you find God's ways perplexing at times? Why is this happening? What is going on? Why are you doing this? I can't cope anymore. And we feel like a boat thrown around in a storm, not knowing what's happening to us. Now, as the readers, we can see what God is doing here because we have that bigger picture. We know the end of the story. But for those in it, for the readers back home in Israel, it was a confusing time. God, why have you let this happen to our country, to our family, to me? I just don't understand. See, the Bible is very, very realistic about life and what it's like to follow God in a complex, bewildering, and at times just baffling world. And if you're struggling with God's purposes in your life at the moment, how refreshing it is to know that this story is in the Bible. It's not answered. God is, doesn't answer your problems. He simply invites you to trust him. And that's hard. So use this story to help you trust him, even when you don't get what he's doing. He is very powerful, and he is very good. And if you're thinking, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing this? Can't you see? He can. It's just his perspective is much, much bigger than ours. You can trust him. You can trust him. Second thing is the prophet sleeping when you're needed. Jonah, we've already seen, is a broken blessing dispenser. God calls him to preach in Nineveh. Nineveh was kind of the roughest, 
toughest nation around, but Jonah has other ideas. Verse 3, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the ferry, went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, Jonah is not an idiot, right? Because I think very often we portray this as if he is. He knows, as well as you and I do, you cannot flee from the Lord. So what is he doing? Well, it's rather like he's handing in his notice. He's quitting as a prophet, and he's quitting as a believer. It it says twice, he literally, he ran from before the Lord. Now, a prophet is someone who stands before the Lord. So if you run from before the Lord, do you see? It means you're quitting. Jonah's resigning from his role as prophet. He wants nothing to do with God's work anymore. And rather than just stay in Israel and not go to Nineveh, which of course he could have done, couldn't he? He does something that makes an even bigger statement. He gets on a boat and he goes to Tarshish. In other words, he goes out to sea. And for the Jews, the sea was this kind of anti-God symbol. It's a bit like, and he went to Las Vegas. It's that kind of thing. A place of chaos and disorder and death. See, Jonah knows that the Lord will bring the Ninevites to repentance, but Jonah thinks the world would be a much better place if the Ninevites were pulverized. In other words, he thinks he knows better than God does. So he sticks two fingers up to God and he runs to the sea. Jonah is saying, basically, God, I hate your plan. It's the response with attitude. And what we discover, though, is that God pursues Jonah. Now, if I were God, always always a dangerous statement, but if I were God, this is what I'd have done. I'd have seen Jonah running away, and I'd have gone, well, forget you then. Push off, I don't need you. I can find another, I'll find a better prophet than you, right? But God doesn't do that, because remember, he only has one plan. He wants to bring blessing to Nineveh through Israel, through Jonah. There's no other plan. So rather than abandon him, he pursues him, actually fairly violently. God is literally kind of hurling a storm at Jonah. But you see what Jonah does? He falls into a kind of a stupor in the depths of the boat. And he seems to have great peace about it. Well, at least I don't have to go to Nineveh, he's thinking. That was close. Let some other mug do that. I'll just sleep here. Fantastic. Jonah is in a sort of spiritual slumber. It's like he's asleep to God. He's asleep to his mission. He's asleep to everybody else on the boat. Two things I think we should notice. The first is this. It's really important if you're a Christian, right? It is very, very easy to convince yourself that you're spiritually awake when really you're fast asleep. Can you imagine Jonah arriving in Joppa? All right, here's, here's, the, here's the scene. Hello, he says to a sailor on the dock side. Um, I'm looking for a boat that's going to Tarshish. Do you know of one? Well, yes, actually, the sailor replies. 
Uh, we're heading there right now. Funny you should say that. No, says Jonah. What a coincidence. This is meant to be. Later on, the storm rages. Uh, somebody says, how do you feel, Jonah? Well, it's, it's peculiar. I have this real sense of peace in my heart about this, that it's all going to work out okay. Do you see, it is really easy to wrap our sin up in spiritual gobbledygook. And the Bible is clear, when you run away from God, the fact that there is a means to run doesn't mean anything. The fact you have a peace about it doesn't prove that it's right. You can run away from God and feel the most peaceful person on the planet and still be in rebellion to God. Later on, the sailors will ask him who he is, and he'll spout out, it's just a wonderful answer. Oh, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the maker of, of heaven and earth, you know, the sea and the earth. What a joke. Come on, Jonah, you can fool others, but you can't fool God. Be careful. You don't fool yourself, because you don't fool him. Secondly, when you're numb towards God, when you allow yourself to fall into a spiritual stupor, it doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone else around you. See, Jonah is so consumed with himself, he's not bothered what happens to anyone else in the boat. His sin and selfishness start to wreak havoc on the lives of others. But the problem is we don't believe that. Why not? Because most of us in this room are Western. And so we think, as long as I don't harm anyone else, my decisions have absolutely no effect on anyone. Can I just say, that is total baloney. The decisions that you and I make ripple out around us to our family, to our friends, to our colleagues, to our neighbours. Let me show you what I mean. Being a parent is hard work. Can I have an amen? Okay. It is tiring, it is draining, but if you allow yourself to become indifferent to God and resistant to God, that will affect your kids. Look, there's no formula for this. Do this, do that. Be a very, very good Christian and your kids will end up following Jesus. Or, don't do this, don't do that. Be a very, very bad Christian your kids won't end up following Jesus. Honestly, I have no idea how it happens, okay? But I do know they stand a much better chance of following Jesus if their parents are following Jesus and obviously love him and make decisions based on him rather than if their parents are fast asleep spiritually. They need you to model the Christian life. And if you've gone AWOL, don't be surprised if they grow up going AWOL. Again, not a hard and fast formula, but it really helps them to see day to day the Christian life lived out in you. Or if as a colleague you drift far from God, who else is going to tell them about Jesus? I mean, the chances are you are the only Christian in your team, on your floor. 
Now, if all that sounds like a bit of a Debbie Downer, then the opposite is also true. If we're looking each day to be awake to God, if our eyes are on Him, looking for His help and guidance, if we're vigilant to those around us, then we can have a really positive effect on them. And I know it doesn't feel like that. But if you're seeking to follow Jesus in your workplace, in your family, you are having an effect. The boat, the prophet, finally the sailors worshipping the true God. While Jonah's been asleep, the sailors have been terrified. Uh, look, if you're on the Baffler, right, you're heading out of Poole, you're going to Cherbourg, and um, uh, about halfway there, the staff are all running around white as a sheet. They're praying out loud, and they're throwing their bags and food overboard. I think you can conclude something is badly wrong, right? Agreed? Eventually, the captain kicks Jonah awake and tells him to pray. And you've got to love the irony. The sailor who doesn't know God tells the prophet who does know God how to pray. And the sailors realize this storm is supernatural, uh, that it's focused on them. And so they cast lots, which is quite natural in those days, to find out whose fault it is. And surprise, surprise, the lot falls on Jonah. So they ask him a string of questions. Who are you? What's happening? Why the storm? And you see what he says in verse 9. He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And they go, oh, you idiot. What are you doing running away from that God? If we knew you were running away from that God, the God who controls everything, we would never let you on board. See, they had a very localized view of God. You want to run away, you can do, but you can't run away from the God who's the maker of heaven and earth. Oh, bother. Wish we'd never brought you on. So what do we do, Jonah? Throw me overboard. You can hear the music beginning, can't you? Can you hear it? Stirring, heroic music. Jonah just setting his face to the storm. Throw me overboard. I'll be all right, boys. No, no, no. Save yourselves. Don't save me. Right? You hear all that? He is not being a hero. Jonah is being a plonker. What should he have said? Turn the boat around. I've got to go and preach in Nineveh. Storm would have gone like that. What he's actually saying by throw me overboard is I would rather die than serve that God. Pretty powerful. And once again, the pagan sailors are far more godly than Jonah the prophet. I think they've heard about the Lord, about his power, but also about his compassion. So they pray. They try to row back to land, but they can't. So they ask God, will you forgive us, please? And then they throw Jonah over, and the sea in an instant goes calm. As Jonah goes down, the sea goes calm. And what is their response? At this, the man greatly feared the Lord. Do you see who gets saved? Despite the prophet who hates foreigners, it's the foreign sailors who get saved. The ones who aren't God's people. They come to know the one true God. They offer sacrifices. They make vows. God is able to save people even through the rebellion of his own people. 
look, maybe you're here this morning and you've had a very, very bad experience of church. They have not lived up to what they said or believed. Perhaps we haven't lived up to what we said or believed. Maybe that's the reason you find becoming a member of a church so difficult. You were a member once, and it was brutal. And you're blowed if you're going to go through that all again. Actually worse, maybe you have been hurt by other Christians. Can I say to you, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that we, the church, have let you down. I'm sorry that we have been a Jonah to you. But you've seen Jesus, haven't you? You have caught a glimpse of him, and he will never let you down. And that's what this book points us towards. The sailors are afraid at the end, not because they found the God who wants to destroy them, but because they found the God who loves them, who's rescued them. Actually, the word fear is a word that can also mean worship. the the nearest I can get is it's like I've never done it but it's like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon right imagine that I don't know how you are with heights right whoa really scary right but awesome at the same time do you get you get that feeling I'm really scared but I'm really amazed and drawn to it right that is what worship looks like these sailors have come to worship the living God Can you see what's going on? Can you see why Jonah, why God won't let Jonah go? It is that God's blessing will come through Jonah. Because he's saying through them to his people Israel, guys, you've forgotten who you are. You are not being a blessing to the nations. That is who you are. That is what I want you to do. And what the book is doing is it's crying out for a far greater Jonah. And then one day, Jesus stands in front of Israel and he says, one greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is the greater Jonah. He is the one who fulfills everything that Jonah didn't. He is God's great blessing dispenser to the nations. Through Israel, blessing does come, but it's Jesus. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jesus is the word of the Lord. Jonah ran away from God, was asleep to the needs of those around him. Jesus came and ran towards sinners like us, and he saved us. Jonah slept in a boat in rebellion. Jesus slept in a boat because he was peaceful and was absolutely in control. Jonah pretended to worship the Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus perfectly worshipped the Lord of heaven and earth, his Father. Jonah was thrown into the sea in rebellion and the sailors were saved. Jesus went to a cross willingly so that we might be saved. Over and over again, do you see, we discover that Jesus is the greater Jonah, the one we most desperately need. Jesus is the one the Father sent into this wicked world and said, I'll go. Rather than run in the other direction, he ran the way God wanted him to. He could have run to Tarshish the night before he died. 
But he went obediently to the cross to die because this world is wicked. He came for the nations, for people like you and me. And now what he does is he commissions us, his people. And he says, I want you to go. I want you to be a mini blessing dispenser to the world. Do you understand why God saved us? Not so that we could get full of blessing and become fat. He saved us so that we could spread blessing to the nations. So as we walk around this town, it's easy to be a Jonah, isn't it? I found it. To kind of tut-tut as we look at the news every day. To mutter at the bad stuff that people are doing. And then withdraw and hide away in church. We're safe here. Like little rabbits. We stick our head up. Okay, the week's coming. I'm going to run like mad across the ground and get to the hole next week. It's going to be safe again. No. We're to walk and make God known. God's heart is always to go, to send, to pursue, to go after people. He says the whole point of PCF is that we will be a blessing dispenser to the nations. One plan. That's it. One plan for Paul, churches like this, that's it. I don't know how you feel about that. I feel a bit nervous, if I'm honest. I feel a bit nervous to go and talk to my friends, my family. Maybe you feel nervous to talk to your colleagues. But he's promised to never leave us, never forsake us, to always be with us. Let's just start there. God, I am really scared about doing this. I am really scared about owning to being a follower of Jesus. Can you help me? Let's just start there. That, that's enough. We're not running to Tarshish. We just say, I'm really scared to go to Nineveh. He'll help. He'll be with us. I'm going to invite the, the band up. Uh, we're going to sing in response to that. In a moment, we're going to...